0: What a beautiful worship time we had this morning. We have hope in Jesus. Not like the world that are people that are out there, I don't know how they, how they make it through their days without that hope. Thankfully, that we have that, that hope every day. Um, it's my pleasure to come before you and tell you about some exciting things coming up. We, once again, are going to have a fireworks booth. Yes, yeah, um, and uh, once again we're gonna be partnering with the Yuba County Office of Education, and uh, it's really a great opportunity to work together with this group. Um, Darlene from our church is part of, is, that's where she works, and she has managed to kind of bring, the, bring our two groups together. Um, they do some wonderful things for kids and this gives them some extra money just to do some things that otherwise they wouldn't be able to do and i asked her to post some of those things on our facebook group page so you might want to check that out a little later just to see some of the some of the things that they've been able to do with the funds that we raised through the fireworks booth last year and this year we'll be raising some money for our church as well and without the pandemic and without all the restrictions that we had last year, I am excited about what we might be able to do extra with that extra income that we, we will receive from the fireworks booth as well. It's a lot of fun. and Yes, yeah, I'm hearing some yeses. So we do have a sign up in the back and also you can sign up online. You can message either Darlene or myself and I'll put emails on there as well so you, if you wanna send an email to us, letting us know when you'd like to help out and as far as our regular tithes and offerings we thank you for continuing to be faithful if you're here in the building we've got the basket up front for you to drop your offerings in for those of you online you know how to do it you can just go to our website and it makes it very very easy to uh, do your do your ties and offerings online Unless, Lord we thank you father God for the many blessings that you give us every day for your faithfulness Lord Lord you provide for us in ways sometimes that we we can even be surprised we don't even know but we do thank you that you continue to provide for us individually and our families and for our church we ask that you bless these tithes and offerings as we get, bring them to you and bless the people that are faithful for their faithfulness, Lord, because we can't outgive you. We thank you for all you've done. We ask you to be with us at this time, and we're looking forward to hearing more from you through this message today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
1: Morning everyone. Okay, if you're at home, this is when you turn your printer on and get the handout. For those who are here, turn to the back. Shock of all shocks! I'm starting something new today. Ironically, it's Pentecost Sunday, so I should have preached last week's sermon today. I could have maybe begged Chris to do a double on the one that he had six times the views I did because he's such a social media presence. <laughs> Playing with you, my friend. Anyway, uh, if you you take a look there. Uh, I've entitled this series, The Next Nine Sundays, Life Changers. Life Changers. Uh, All of you uh, are probably like me. You've had certain events, certain encounters, certain things that have defined who you are. Whether it's good or bad, they define who you are. They have certain activities, certain encounters. I've shared with you some of the ones that defined me in a negative but then ultimately in a positive way you all know i'm adopted you all know my parents spoke about it cryptically and when i at 18 years old after my father died finding a news clipping of me being dedicated where it described my whole adoption which was news to me at 18 you can imagine how that defined me but then i can also tell you on the good side of that when i was 35 and realized that I needed to forgive some people and so doing, the seeds they'd planted in my life would be removed and I'd be freed from those generational things. That was a significant thing, too. That was a life changer. Are, are you here? You, you're not going to throw me off by talking or even breathing or nodding your head occasionally. That won't mess me up, okay? Um This series is entitled Life Changers because while I'm 65 years old, I know I don't look a day over 64, Um, but these are teachings that I heard in church or in various places that I look back and they had a significant impact. Today I'm going to share with you the perfect will of God. I heard this when I was 17 years old. I could preach it today like I heard it, even using the illustrations that were given back in Sonora Assembly of God Church, four sixteenth North Washington Street. I can tell you what pew I was sitting in. It was one of those life changers. Does that make sense? Now, they all didn't happen at 17. In fact, some of these happened in my 60s. But there there are some things here. So that's what we're going to talk about over the next nine weeks, okay? All right. Now, we're going to take a short break in the action. I would like you to stand and at least wave to somebody. This gives people time at home to print this off and me time to get a podium, okay? Say hi. <laughs> church today has quite a bent. I don't know if you've noticed, but it's kind of leaning this way. (laughs) They're all sitting near the door. (laughs) All right. Well, it's good to be with you. Romans chapter 12 says, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he's done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of the world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, what is good and pleasing and perfect. You see, all of these things lead into, if we do these things, if we respond this way to god if we give our lives to god if we sacrifice our wishes and desires and say lord here is my body offered to you as a living sacrifice that when we do that and we don't copy behaviors of the world but we choose to behave the way the spirit would direct us and guide us to behave he says guess what will happen then you will learn to know god's will I've been a pastor since I was 22, do the math, that's 43 years. I don't hear it as much anymore, but one of the questions I used to hear often was, I want to know what God's will is for me. I'd sure like to know what God's will is. Now, in a in an overarching view, wouldn't we all like to know what God's will is for us? And many of us grew up in an era and a time where that was a big secret. It's like you had to tap into something, and and hope and pray and do spiritual things, and somehow a little whisper would come out, or something would fall from the sky and it'd say, "Mark, here's God's will for you." But I also remember, particularly as a young minister, people coming to me and say, "I want to know, should I buy a Ford or a Chevy? What's God's will?" As if God had a side. Now, I can tell you it's God's will that you don't buy a Yugo and a Fiat. You don't need to pray about that. That's funny. You're meant to laugh there. (laughs) But this is where often time was spent asking God, should I do this? Should I do that? Well, let's see. You make $200 a week. You probably shouldn't buy the car with an $800 a month car payment. You, you don't need to pray. You have the mind of Christ. You, you should have some wisdom. It's like, okay, I need to do that. But this was a question. And as a young person, I can remember thinking, what is God's will for me? What am I supposed to do with my life? And it gets down to the minutia of things where you don't think, where you don't act, where you don't function In the wisdom, the guidance God has given you, you're just always waiting around for an answer. And I heard this teaching, and I want to share it with you today because it transformed my life. Because it said here that I could learn to know God's will. And I could learn to know it at a good, a better, and a best level. How many have ever heard... Well, you're walking in God's permissive will, but don't you want to be in His perfect will? Sure. If if you've been in church at all, that one got laid on you. And who wants to be in permissive? Okay, God okays it, but He's not really happy. He's not really pleased. He's just waiting for you to step out of bounds that He can crush you. And that's not the way He functions. So what is the perfect will of God? And for 1495, I'll send you a series of tapes. No. Here's what the scriptures say the perfect will of God is. Number one, we are to live in a spirit of gratitude. We are to live in a spirit of gratitude. Listen to 1 Thessalonians. Be thankful in all circumstances. Be thankful in all circumstances. Why? For this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. Now, here's how this verse, and many people have interpreted it. Be thankful in all circumstances, for being thankful about the circumstances is God's will. No. That doesn't even make sense. Why would I thank God for cancer? What he's saying is, be thankful, regardless of where you are, regardless of the circumstances that you stand in, regardless of if things are good or things are bad, what do you do? You have a spirit of thanksgiving. Let me help you translate this. Be thankful over all circumstances. Does that make sense? It's the word "huper" in the Greek, where we get the word about your children. They were a little "huper," usually in church. Hyper. That's what it means. It's hyper is you're overactive, hyperextend, overextend. Be thankful. Over the circumstances. Being thankful is what God's will is. Not the circumstance. Does that make sense? I am to have a spirit of gratitude in all circumstances. Why do I want to do that? Well, there's there's some benefits. Can I give you some practical ones? Did you know it boosts your immune system? Did you know that? It, it's scientific. There's studies. Gratitude contributes to overall sense of well-being do you know uh, gratitude is a uh, is something that lowers stress in your immune system and your responses it improves your physical health it improves your mental health do you know that i work for the department of transportation on a day two in a state approved uh, curriculum i have to do a whole series on the impact of gratitude on their leadership Isn't that amazing? Now, they're maybe watching and find out oh, you mean we have God stuff in that stuff? They do, and they don't know it. (laughs) And when they hire a preacher, if he goes a little wild in that section, it's all good. Gratitude contributes to positive mental health outcomes. It eases anxiety, it eases depression, it improves your mood, it gives you positive feelings and contributes to a sense of well-being. Did you know a spirit of gratitude will improve relationships? Who wants to live with Oscar the Grouch? Ask Jill. Sometimes I'm that way. As she reminded the grandkids this week, for 40 years. <laughs> but I want you to know that gratitude plays a key role in forming relationships, and it also helps in strengthening existing ones. If you're married, and you want a romantic relationship, gratitude will help you feel more satisfied with your partner and them with you. If you're not married and you want to be, apply the same principle. Studies show partners who demonstrate gratitude towards one another reported increased relationship satisfaction and improved happiness the following day. (laughs) So be grateful today. Smile tomorrow. (laughs) Did you know a spirit of gratitude increases optimism? Being an optimistic person can have plenty of health benefits and healthy aging. As you can see, it's worked for me. If you're not naturally optimistic, which is me, I got it shocked out of me, seriously, when I was 16. Do you know that gratitude, the practice of gratitude helps you cultivate your outlook? In other words, it's kind of one of the things that I was taught by one of my earlier mentors. He said, Mark, motion leads to emotion. So I don't feel grateful. I don't care how you feel. Be grateful, and you'll be surprised what it does to your perspective, to your outlook. Studies show here, I'm going to give you some science. It takes just 10 weeks of a regular practice of gratitude to feel more optimistic and positive about present life and the future. Meaning, if you start today, by the time we begin the next series, which is I am David, By the time we begin the next series, you'll be a more optimistic person. Thank you. What's God's will? Number two, it's God's will that we're saved. Saved. Do you know it's God's will for all to be saved? We often get the idea that he's an angry, vengeful God just waiting around for us to do something wrong so he can crush us. But look what 1 Timothy says. Um, Pray this way for kings and all who are in authority so that we may live peaceful and quiet lives marked by godliness and dignity. This is good and pleases our Savior. Listen to the next thing. Who wants everyone to be saved and to understand the truth. Even the person that you shout idiot to in the next car. Not that we would know anyone that does that. <laughs> you don't ride with us. Um, it's God's will. He wants everyone to be saved. For there is one God and one mediator who can reconcile God and humanity, and that's through Jesus Christ. Second Peter says, The Lord isn't really being slow about his promise, as some people think. No, he is being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone to repent. Have you ever wanted to ask God, Would you just take care of that right now the way you want to take care of it? And then he doesn't right now. Why? Because what he wants is for them to have the opportunity to respond in repentance, just like you and I responded in repentance. It's God's will that everyone should be saved. Well, why did he create hell? Well, you need to understand, hell was not created for humanity hell was created for the devil and his angels that's who it was destined for not for us he wants every person that he has ever seen created on this planet to be in his presence forever he wants everyone to be saved the reason we know it is he made it a gift He made it a gift in Ephesians 2. God saved you by his grace when you believed. And we can't take credit for this. Do you realize if there was a way to earn your way in, there would be some people saying, well, I got here, and I'm so good, I deserve the front row. Yeah, Jill just made a comment, the right hand of God. You remember there were some disciples that thought they ought to sit on the right and the left hand. And Jesus said, you don't know what you're asking, because who comes up on the left side? The adversary. You don't want to sit there. You can't take credit for this. It's a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for good things we have done. So no one can boast. Which means when we're in the presence of Jesus, every one of us got there the same way. We opened the gift. Number three, it's God's will that you're sanctified. Sanctified. Now, that's a big word, isn't it? Sanctified could mean to make holy. Oh, that's another big word. To be set apart as sacred or consecrate. When something is sanctified, it is something that has, is set apart for a particular service or use. That our lives, when we're sanctified, are set apart by God for his purpose and use. We go from being average to special. That's what it means. In 1 Thessalonians. Thessalonians chapter 4 we urge you in the name of the Lord Jesus to live in a way that pleases God as we've taught you you're to live this way already and we encourage you to do uh, so even more for you remember what we taught you by the authority of the Lord Jesus God's will is for you to be holy what are we talking about today what's God's perfect will what's his will that you be grateful you have a spirit of gratitude that you're saved that you're sanctified the word sanctified in the Greek literally means to be set apart as holy in the temple there would be certain instruments certain vessels that would be set apart that would be used for certain sacraments there might be a glass that would be used to hold water or wine But it wasn't one that you'd take out. It wasn't a Dixie cup that you would take out and just use here and there and put it in your car and take it home. No, it was used for certain sacrifices or certain times of the year. Or once a year, it might be used uh, by the, the high priest when he went to the most holy place to sprinkle blood on the mercy seat. It would be something that was set apart. Everyone knew it was special because it had a special purpose. Here's the good news for you and me. God has a special purpose for every one of us. And when we walk in his will, we get to enjoy that experience of being special, set apart, holy in his sight. Isn't that fantastic? 1 Corinthians 6 says, you're different now. You've been washed clean. You've been set apart. You've been restored and set on the right path in the name of the Lord Jesus, the anointed by the Spirit of our living God. That tells us what happens. Here's what's neat. You became special not because anything that you did, not because you followed the five steps to, to holiness. You became special because God looked at you, a dirty vessel... He picked you up, says, I know exactly what cleaning supplies are necessary to clean you up and get any kind of filth and any kind of remnant of failure. I know how to get rid of all of that. I know how to do that. It's through the blood of my son. And then there we are, this lovely vessel that he can now set on a path, and we walk in his name. Isn't that neat? You got saved. It was a gift. You get sanctified. How does that happen? It's a gift. It's something that God does for your life. Here's the key in First Peter chapter 1. God the Father knew you and chose you long ago, and his spirit made you holy. Did you catch that? His spirit did it. As a result, you have obeyed him and have been cleansed by the blood of Jesus Christ. That's what being sanctified means. Number four, it's God's will that you're filled with the Spirit. Have you heard anything about that lately? I just wondered. In Acts chapter 2, everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. That happened on the day of Pentecost. That was when the church was born. It was birthed probably in about A.D. 28, so we're approaching about 2,000 years ago. On this day, 50 days after Passover, the church was born, the Spirit was given, and we were instructed to be filled with the Spirit. Ephesians chapter 5 says don't act thoughtlessly but understand what the Lord wants for you when you hear the word the Lord wants that's his will don't be drunk with wine because that'll ruin your life instead be filled with the spirit what's God's will that you're filled with the spirit singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves and making music to the Lord in your hearts and give thanks for everything to God in the name of Of our Lord Jesus Christ isn't it interesting that that verse has two of the things that I've talked about today it talks about being filled with the spirit and have a spirit of gratitude give thanks guess what the word for is it's who pair again over everything all right number five the point that no one ever likes it's like this topic and tithing are the ones that always get the great responses it's God's will that we are submitted we are submitted now the word submission in the Greek was a military term uh, referring to how you'd be arranged in a military fashion under the command of a leader. So so anybody here been in the military? Did any of you ever vote on what you were going to do? No, you, you, you can't function that way. If you're in a mission, somebody has to make a decision, and and everybody's got to move the same way. You say, what if it's the wrong decision? It will be better... If everybody moves the wrong way and if everybody does what's right in their own eyes. You see, submission was an attitude that was found in the early church. In First Corinthians 16, I urge you, brothers and sisters, to submit to them as the authority and others like them who serve with such devotion. Ephesians 5, give thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And further, submit to one another out of the reverence for Christ. Now, when you say submission, ladies, what do you think I'm going to talk about? Need to submit to the men. Now, let's talk about that. I'm going to, this is, maybe we got no charge for at home, okay? Submission was an attitude of the early church. The scriptures instructed them to submit to one another. In Love, so what was the attitude in the early church? What was the attitude to be in the church to be submitted to one another Do you know that yes, I'm the pastor do you know I'm in submission? I'm in submission to a national leadership council and a national leader Our president is in submission to an executive council which they're in submission to a a national council and a cabinet that has hundreds of people. Did you know that? That that I'm in submission to a regional overseer, which I'm sorry I can't remember his name because they just changed him. And then there's someone else that's under him. We're having a lot of fun in our denomination changing things around. Do you know that I'm in submission to a council in this church? Do you know every one of them has received a calendar? Here's what I'm going to preach over the next, well, till first Sunday of October. Why do I do that? Because I want to function in that way because there's protection and there's covering. Do you know our founding pastor, Pastor Rob, gets my outlines and gets the schedule? He knows when I'm speaking. He's given it his seal of approval. Why do I do that? Not because I feel a need, not because there's a rule that says I need to do that. I want to be protected by being under submission to other brothers and sisters in Christ. Now, ladies... When it says, wives, submit to your own husbands, here's what it's saying. The body of Christ, there's submission. But ladies, don't you go submitting to other men now. You you limit it. Now, do you understand that submission is not a thumbs-on authority telling you what to do? I'm I'm submitted to a council. I don't expect them to say, Mark, we don't really want you to preach on that. I'd be surprised if they did. But we have this attitude of submission. I'm their pastor. They're my council. We share those things. We agree. We move on. Does that make sense? We're to submit to authority as much as it kills me. 1 Peter, for the Lord's sake, submit to all human authority, whether the king is head of state or officials he has appointed. For the king has sent them to punish those who do wrong and to honor those who do right. It is God's will that your honorable lives should silence those ignorant people who make foolish accusations against you. For you're free. Yet you are God's slave, so don't use your freedom as an excuse to do evil. Respect everyone, love the family of believers, fear God, and respect the king. That one went over so well. Let me try point six. It's God's will that we suffer. All who follow the leading of God's Spirit, Romans 8, 17 says, are God's sons. Nor are you meant to relapse into old slavish attitude of fear. You've been adopted into the very family circle of God. And you can say with a full heart, Father, my Father. The Spirit himself endorses our inner conviction that we really are the children of God. Think what that means. If we are his children, we share his treasures, and all that Christ claims as his will belong to all of us as well. Yet, if we share in his suffering, we will certainly share in his glory. When we talk about suffering, it often is perceived as, man, I've had a headache for three days, I'm suffering you are suffering but that's not suffering for the cause of Christ but you walk outside this room and declare your faith today and we are moving into a culture where you're going to be ridiculed and persecuted more than ever before it's absolutely astonishing to me to see the changes that have happened in our country in the last 15 or 20 years I never thought I'd see the day that every other philosophy, every other religion, every unique behavior would be embraced and accepted and being a believer in Jesus Christ and living your life in service to God and to others would be ridiculed and made fun of. But that's what's happened. That's what's happened. First Peter says, even if you suffer for doing what is right, God will reward you for it. So don't worry or be afraid of their threats. Instead, you must worship Christ as Lord of your life. And if someone asks you about your hope as a believer, always be ready to explain it. Do this in a gentle and respectful way. Keep your conscience clear. Don't get into a Facebook war over differing opinions because, oh, sorry, that's not in there, but it ought to be. Do you understand, by the way, this is at no charge too. Do you understand, by the way, getting into a debate with people that can't understand spiritual things. When you say it, it just doesn't make sense to them, and they start going, la, 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 Do you understand? But if I yell louder, they'll get it. No, they'll just, la, 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 more. Do this in a gentle and respectful way. Keep your conscience clear. Then, if people speak against you, they will be ashamed when they see what a good life you live because you belong to Christ. Remember, it's better to suffer for doing good, if that is what God wants, than to suffer for doing wrong. What are some benefits of suffering? Can there be a benefit? Now, some say, I I love being a martyr. It just gives me a badge I can walk around. No, no, it's not the point. How many have heard this phrase? It's one that means so much to me. God whispers to us in our pleasures. He speaks in our conscience, but he shouts in our pain. Why? Why is that? because in our pain when we're saying god why we become attuned that that quote goes on to say it is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world we are most keenly aware of god's character in our suffering It is when our self-sufficiency is peeled away that we see how weak we really are. When you reach the end and you can't take it anymore and you say, God, what is it? Help me. I can't do it. He says, I've been waiting for you to reach that place. Where all of your reliances on all your previous behaviors, patterns, thinking that you hide behind to mask things, all of that's peeled away. In Romans 8, we're told what suffering does, and I'm just going to highlight it. In verse 17 and 18, it tells us it leads to heavenly glory. Since we're his children, we are his heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we're heirs of God's glory. But if we are to share in his glory, we must also share in his suffering. Yet what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory he will reveal to us later on. A second thing that it increases our dependence on the Holy Spirit. Verse 26, I'm in Romans 8. The Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. When we're suffering, who helps us? The Holy Spirit. Suffering also reminds us, number three, of the permanence of God's love, verse 35 through 37. Can anything separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? No, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ. Who loves us? He goes on to say in verse 38, I'm convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. All right. How did we start today? Can you know the perfect will of God? Well, we just talked about six things that the scripture said. It's his perfect will. Did you have a spirit of gratitude? Saved, sanctified, spirit-filled, submitted, in suffering. Did you get those? All S's. How did that happen? Why do we want to do that? Because here's the promise. We receive the mind of Christ. We receive the mind of Christ. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. But it was to us that God revealed these things. How? By his Spirit. For his spirit searches out everything and shows us God's deep secrets. No one can know a person's thought except the person's own spirit. And no one can know God's thoughts except God's spirit. And we have received God's spirit, not the world's spirit, so that we can know the wonderful things God has freely given us. For the question, who can know the thoughts of the Lord? Who knows enough to teach him? But look at what Paul wrote. But we understand these things. Why? Because we have the mind of Christ. Let me recap about five months of teaching. Why is it important that we have the Holy Spirit with us? Because He's a guide. He's a guide us into truth. What kind of truth? All truth. Think about it. You have the source of all truth. That is with you and in you. Think about what that does to the way you think. The scripture says you're functioning with the mind of Christ. Point B is we have spirit focused thinking. Romans 8, letting the spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. Colossians 3, since you've been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven, where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not on the things of the earth. Here's what I want to submit to you in conclusion. If you are walking in the known will of God, the six S's, We can be confident that we have the mind of Christ. And we can be confident that we have access to the Spirit as a resource to guide us into all truth and to guide us in every decision that we make. Think about it. So are you saying mark you don't pray about decisions what we pray what we pray in in our family is Lord direct us in the right steps and give us peace because that's how you guide. I shared with you when I asked you to ratify a council I said there'll never be a vote either we'll agree or we won't do something. Why why did I say that because I believe that we as a council can have the mind of Christ And if we all have the mind of Christ, do you think we'll agree? Absolutely. As a church family, can we have the mind of Christ? Can he then direct us in our steps that we should take as a church family? Do you think? I want you to be encouraged that you can make spirit- directed, Christ-centered decisions with confidence and no regret. Father, thank you that your will is not a huge secret. And knowing your will is not something that is held for just an elite few, but it's there in your word that we're to have a spirit of gratitude, that you want us to be saved, sanctified, spirit-filled, submitted, and suffering. And when we do those things, we're walking in your known will. You have promised us that we have the mind of your son Jesus in every decision. (coughs) We have the resource of the Holy Spirit to direct us. And we never have to walk in regret again because we know we're standing in the center of your perfect will. Amen. Amen. <coughs> Jesus gave. The church, a gift, the gift of the Holy Spirit. God gave the world the gift, the gift of His Son Jesus. What better thing on Pentecost Sunday to receive those gifts? <coughs> if you're here in this room or you're watching at home and you've never accepted Christ as your Savior, He's the greatest gift that God can offer. He's free he's not earned or deserved you receive him by faith by saying father I'm a sinner I ask you to forgive me I repent I change my thinking I quit being reliant on my own will my own ways my own thoughts my own efforts to reach you instead I place my faith in the work of your son that's cleansed me of sin and brought me into heaven If you pray a prayer like that or a simple prayer like that, we believe that you're brought into the kingdom of God. You've been born again. And whether you're in this room or at home and you say, I I made that decision a long time ago. And pastor, you talk a lot about the Holy Spirit. Well, the Holy Spirit was a gift. And Jesus, (coughs) Jesus came to give the gift of the Holy Spirit. John told us about that, that one was coming after him that would baptize us with the Spirit. So here's what I would encourage you today. If you haven't received the gift of the Spirit, why don't you ask Jesus? Jesus, give me the gift of your Spirit. He wants to do it. He wants to do it. He doesn't reserve it for an elite few and I would encourage you as you learn to walk a spirit directed life ask Jesus to be your teacher ask Jesus to be your teacher so maybe you're in this room or maybe you're at home pray this simple prayer Jesus baptize me fill me with your spirit I pray And teach me all that that means. Guide me into all truth. I receive the gift that you give me. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you for being here today. Thank you for joining us online. You know, we have doors. We'd love for you to use them once in a while. Come by and see us. God bless you all and have a great, great week.